The Naked DJs Podcast. Are they really naked? We know. They expose themselves every day just so they can bring you the best of music. They like to stick it out there for everyone to hear. You can hear their podcast on Anchor.fm, YouTube, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by an interesting fantasy author. Just wait till you hear how he came up with his bio. His bio is not just any bio. It's a bio almost like he is writing as a fantasy character. His name is J.V. Hilliard. So we're going to be talking to him about how he created his bio and his, his writing. So, JV, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the, the opportunity to be on the show. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, my bio was one that I put together. My, my publisher had asked me to, you know, as anybody that's publishing a, a novel, uh, to create a, a bio about yourself. So what I did was instead of summarizing my daily life as as it was in the real world, I, as you mentioned earlier, a fantasy author. And I write sword and sorcery and things that would remind you of Lord of the Rings or you know Dungeons and Dragons or Game of Thrones. And if you're a fan of that fantasy adventure genre, what I tried to do is immerse myself into the own world that I that I built known as Warminster. So I wrote a bio that describes me as if I were in Warminster as opposed to, you know, here in Pittsburgh. So I, 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 I refer to things in my history, like I went to the University of Pittsburgh, but in my bio, it says that I was schooled at the cathedral, which of course, anybody that lives in the city or is familiar with the university understands that there's a giant cathedral of learning in the middle of campus or from the city that has at the confluence of three mighty rivers. Well, of course, three rivers is, you know, it references the city of Pittsburgh or, you know, a city of silver cups and hypocycloids, which represent the Pittsburgh Penguins championships and the Pittsburgh Steelers, things like that. So I try to, I try to have a good time with it. I reference my mother as a local healer, as opposed to a nurse. My father was, was a, was a peasant who worked in the mines, which is something that you know, he worked in a steel mill when he was alive here. And so I had some fun with it and I think she enjoyed it and I get some compliments on it. And other people ask me that question all the time is what does this really mean? But anybody that knows me well can decode it and understand, you know, who I am and where I'm from. Well, I absolutely love it. And my listeners are going to get to know you more here by the time this interview is done. So tell well, thank us, you, sir. tell us about how you got into writing. What made you get into writing and especially fantasy? So I've always been interested in, in writing. Uh, when I was younger, I learned to write as a part of a Well, I'll back up and tell you a little bit more of a story. My uncle was paralyzed in the Vietnam War, and he was like a second father to me. My mother was his nurse, and I grew up at his side. And in some cases, he was 
you know, confined to a wheelchair and eventually he was bedridden. And there was only a few things that he could really do. One of those things was right. You know, he had a typewriter and they fashioned, you know, a handle that he could put in his hand that had a, one of those, you know, 1970s pink eraser tops on the top. And he was, he would click through his typewriter. And as a, as a child, I admired that. And he taught me how to write and in particular creatively write ever since I was, you know, you know old enough to do so. Uh, and he entered me into an eighth grade writing contest when I was in the fourth grade and I won and my mom had to take me to receive the award. And when I got there, they realized I wasn't in eighth grade, but it was something that, you know, from his point of view, that was a level of escapism he could engage in when you're a quadriplegic, especially in those days, your life is pretty limited. And so his form of escapism was creative writing, you know, and he would write things, small, short stories for magazines and, and periodicals and things like that back in the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, I, I learned that trait from him. But the other part of your question was, is, is why fantasy? And I think a lot of that has to do with him as well. When I was in, you know, fourth or fifth grade, I had an English teacher go on a long a health sabbatical. And my substitute came in and read to us The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings as sort of we closed out the, the last month of the school year. And I fell in love with the genre. I took it back to my uncle. And for that Christmas, he got me my own copy of The Hobbit. And then we purchased, you know, a box set of Dungeons and Dragons. And, and that was when it was in its sort of infancy and people were just learning how to play this, this game. And I fell in love with it too. And again, that was a form of entertainment that he could engage in, that we could engage in together. And so we started playing with me and my brother and my father. And I just, my love of all things that were fantasy adventure were born. And so whether it was, you know, reading The Hobbit and falling in love with sword and sorcery or dabbling in, in science fiction, it's always been something that's been of interest to me. And so when I had a chance to, to dive into something, I wanted to dive into something that I loved. Talk about what you love most about writing and about being an author. Sure. So a number of things. I mean, first of all, you get to create. And what I think is a lot of fun when it comes down to it is, is you know, I'm for my day job, I'm a federal lobbyist. I do work in DC with tech and defense companies, and I'm interfacing with pretty serious folks on pretty serious matters. And my writing there, which I do on a daily basis, is related to legislation or grants or speech writing or all of the above. And it's really nonfiction and it's it's tough stuff. It's it's you know, it's you know, it's not like fantasy. What I love about fantasy is it does give me that escapism I mentioned earlier. You know, I can turn my day job off and I get to become Joe in a fantasy world where I'm chronicling the adventures of all of my characters that I've made up. Some of which, you know, have come from my years of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Others have come from just, you know, creative writing classes or, you know, bouncing ideas off of friends about stories or even things that are related to movies stuff like that. And it's a way for me to downshift. And that's what I really like the most about it. But I also, you know, I, I really like the, the, um, the aspect of it that it's, it's, it's not just creative, but it's also fun, right? Like this is something you can do pretty easily and, you know, get lost in it. And you could sit there and talk to someone, not only about my book, but also about their books. Or if you're at a convention with somebody, you know, you know, watching people that are really, passionate about these things where their hobbies are something that they that you know that they live through as opposed to something that they just sort of 
you know, kick back and let happen, you know? And I think that that kind of stuff is really what it makes it fun for me and what I enjoy most about it. Talk about who is your favorite character in one of your books. Well, I've got plenty of favorite characters in my books. I'll, I'll give you a couple of answers to that question. So I wrote one of the main characters in my book is a teenager named Damus Alaric. And Damus is born of noble blood and he's born blind. And somewhere in the, in the middle of the night when he was, you know, before he became one year old, a wizard showed up and touched his eyes and no one knows why they cho- he, he showed up, how he showed up what he did, but he was able to give Damus the sight. And in giving Damus the sight, he also gave him this metaphysical sight. So he was more of a prophet, kind of like Edgar Cayce is, where you he has dreams and things that he dreams have a tendency to come to pass, or he'll see signs and he has to interpret them. And in the beginning of the novel, you know, he's going through this awkward teenage phase where he's becoming a man, and he has to learn real quickly how to do that because he's, he's thrust against one of his own, a, this man named Great Taurus the Mad, who is a fallen keeper. And these keepers of the forbidden have this power that they can see into the future. And this man who was very powerful in Damus' sect had, you know, kind of fell, you know, by doing something he shouldn't have done. And, and his God punished him by blinding him. And as a result, these guys are kind of rivals to one another. And the reason he's one of my favorite characters is the inspiration for it came from a series of recurring nightmares that I had when I was around Damus's age in the novel. I took a real life experience and turned it into something that was something I can make into, a, a, I think, a pretty good fantasy plot. And in Damus's world, he has these dreams about the, this evil guy, Great Taurus, coming to get him in his dreams. And he learns more and more about him as he gets closer and closer to them. And it's how these guys sort of face off against one another in, in The Last Keeper, the first novel in the Warminster series. In my world, it was a little bit more mundane. It was, you know, someone who had claimed that they were my, my guardian angel and they were trying to give me advice. And I kept having these dreams and the dream would end. And the next time I would have it, it would pick up where it ended. And it was this strange sort of thing. And from that experience of, you know, kind of, you know, the character was born, or at least the idea for the character was born. In your bio, you talk about writing Plotter Panzer. Tell everybody what that is and explain what that means. Sure. So in creative writing, oftentimes there are two types of authors and sometimes hybrids in between. But the two types are a plotter like I am, which is someone who plans everything out from beginning to end. And Panzer is someone who writes by the seat of their pants, which is why they're called Panzers. I am the ultimate plotter. And I think the way I write might be strange. I don't know if other people do this, but I, I reverse engineer my novels. I write from the, from the back to the front so that I don't miss any details. And I do that because, you know, I, my novels have a tendency to be pretty complex. They're, it's epic fantasy, which is this large scale fantasy like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones and some others that, you know, people will recognize those names. So you get a lot of characters, a lot of rich history, a lot of world building that goes into that. And you need to add those details in. And as if, when you add them in, they're, they're added in for a reason. And so for me, I've got, you know, I used to whiteboard this stuff. I had nine sheets of paper that show me different plot angles and where the arcs of my plot intercept and where the characters intercept 
and where I wanted to go, but it all starts from the end and I work back so I don't miss anything. So everything is included and you know, there's not a single inch of script in my manuscripts that are a waste of space. There, if it's mentioned, it's mentioned for a reason and it might be mentioned for something now or maybe it's mentioned for foreshadowing down the road or a flashback that you'll learn about in, in, a, in a separate novel where pantsers have a chance you know, I think they have a special talent where they can sit down and just stuff flows from them and they write it. And oftentimes they, they hit writer's block or they have a hard time figuring out an ending, you know, where I'm, I'm sort of the opposite. They right? like I said before, like I kind of know where I want to go and it's a regimented style of writing. It might not be as fun where they sit down and probably are smiling when they're clicking away at their keyboard, you know, it's the stuff that's just coming to them. I, it's already come to me and it's a matter of me ordering it the right way. So maybe that's a little obsessive compulsive. I don't know, but that, that's the way I do business. <laughs> I think it's great. Talk about who influenced you. Who are your favorite authors? So like I mentioned one earlier, J.R.R. Tolkien really got me into, you know, the genre. And as someone who, who writes in that same Rubric. I would not be writing if it weren't for my experience with The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So I do enjoy him. My favorite contemporary novelist is R.A. Salvatore, who writes in my genre, too. He's, he's uh, famous for his Dritz Duarden Dark Elf series that has about 30-something books in it now. And he's also done a couple of spinoff series in the same vein. But I've also really enjoyed Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. The authors of the Dragonlance series, which is, you know, again, as you can tell by the name, is also fantasy adventure. But, you know, if you if you step out of that for a second, I'm a big fan of Bram Stoker. I love Dracula. I like anything that's gothic, you know, and I, I you know, one of these days I'll probably stumble into writing a horror novel or two or something that has a lot of suspense and and darkness into it. I really enjoy that kind of stuff, you know, and then, you know, I think it's it's hard to kind of look away from some of the guys that are doing some really good work like Terry Brooks and, and Brandon Sanderson in genre. But that's, that's really where I spend most of my time reading. And, and, and those are some of the folks that have inspired me to write. If you could spend a day with one of the characters in your book, who would it be and why? Whew. That is a great question. I would say that if I would choose one of the characters in my novel, it would be a character known as Incanus Druath. And Incanus is sort of the one of the villains in the novel. He's got an interesting backstory, and I've gotten a lot of feedback from my readers telling me that they liken him to Boba Fett from the Star Wars series, and folks like the way his character direction goes because he's unpredictable, and, and you know, folks don't, they don't obviously don't like him, and they're rooting against him, but they're kind of rooting for him in the same way Star Wars fans like Boba Fett, you know, made him a really, you know, popular character. Uh, you know, and in Canis's case, he is born as a, as a, as a bone elf, which is, you know, a, a you know, a, a culture and a race of creatures that are born to do the bidding of these shadow elves that can't come out in the daylight because they're shadows, as you can tell by the, by their name. And so they breed this, this group that can do their, you know, their nefarious deeds on the surface while, you know, they are hiding during the day and can only come out at night. And his origin story is one that will be shown in my third novel, 
But for now, people are getting this like creepy vibe of this assassin that's making his way through attacking the main characters. And they don't know why. And I think that if I had to sit down with him over breakfast, lunch and dinner, you know, and had a drink with him at the end of the day, he would be more one of the more interesting characters just based on the complexity of his background, but also the simplicity in which he makes his decisions. It's all based on on vengeance. Um, but he's he's become this master assassin and, you know, his his unpredictability makes him so dangerous. I think that would be a fun conversation to have. And if I could sit there and throw back a drink with somebody, it would be in Canis True Wraith. Your book became a movie. Which actors or actresses or both would you choose to play the roles? <laughs> well, so, you know, think that's, that's, a, that's a really good question. I, I think that King Godwin Thronehelm or maybe even Baron Dragich von Lormark, this is a better one. I think von Lormark is one of the, the villains in, in the novel should be played by a guy named Clancy Brown. Clancy is one of my favorite actors. He starred as the Kurgan in the original Highlander series back in the, the mid eighties and everything the guy's done in his career from, you know, you know, bad boys when he was, you know, younger with Sean Penn in a more serious novel all the way through some of the nightmare on Elm streets. I think the guy has done a really good job and he has such an iconic voice. It's almost as iconic to me as Darth Vader's voice, you know, with, with, you know, James Earl Jones. And I, and I just think he would do a great job at playing this sort of vengeful Baron who is, is behind the scenes working on stuff. And, you know, I think I would, I would, I would start with him. And there's a, there's a character in the novel named Ember Flory, who's his daughter. And, you know, I think in my head, she's this mix between Amy Lee from Evanescence and Clancy Brown and I don't know how that works out and I don't know what actress could play her but whoever that would be that's a special character to play you know and I think you know from an actor and actress standpoint I think those two would be the characters I would love to cast myself because they're important in the novel but also I think they're just spot on I think that there's a the main character and I forgive forgive me for not knowing her name off the top of my head she played in the most recent movie Escape Room she plays this like MIT girl who eventually escapes the escape room. I don't want to be a, you know, a spoiler here, but that's, that's what happens in the end. And it's like a life or death situation. I think she would make a great Ember Flory. And I wish I knew her name off the top of my head. Well, I will tell you that Evanescence is one of my favorite rock groups. So, well, there you go. So in my head, imagine a daughter between Amy Lee and Clancy Brown. Well, hopefully she <laughs> and can sing it. like Amy Lee. Yeah, I wish she could too. I wish. <laughs> so tell us about your books and any common or upcoming projects that people need to know about and how people can purchase your, your work and what we can expect when we check it out. Yeah, sure. So my first novel, The Last Keeper, was released back in December of 2021. So it's only been on the market for about three months. And it is published by Dragon Moon Press and is available through most distribution channels. So if you want to pick it up on Amazon or, you know, at a Barnes and Noble or download an audiobook or an ebook, you're, all of those things are available to you. The audiobook is done by Victor Bavine, who is renowned for doing fantasy novels. And so he's done a great job in, in voice acting 
all of the characters in The Last Keeper. The Last Keeper is book one of a four book series in the Warminster series. So book two, which will be known as Vorden's Lair, comes out in July or August of, of this year. And then the Trillius Gambit, which is the third in the series, will come out around the holidays if we stay true to the to the schedule. And you know, folks can find my work at any of those distribution sites. So if you like audiobooks, there are 20 different audiobook distributions, you know, of it. Same thing with ebooks or paperbacks. Special order hardbacks are coming out soon as well. And then if you want to check out my work, you can go to my website, which is jvhilliard.com or check me out on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at JV Hilliard Books or Facebook at JV Hilliard. And you'll find uh, my stuff there on, on the website. There's some pretty cool things, some gadgets on there, like a map of the realm you can take a look at. You, there's sigils and coats of arms from all the families that are that are in not only the first book, but will be in future books. So you can check out a little bit of that artwork uh, that's that's on the website. And, you know, I'm going to be making convention rounds here starting in the spring. So I'll be heading mostly uh, northeast and midwest for the spring and summer. And I hope to see people on the road. Absolutely. You just answered my question about the contacts information. So go ahead and give us some final thoughts to close it out and maybe give people an idea where you're going to be heading, just if you have any maybe specific cities or states. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I I am in Pittsburgh, so a lot of the places where I'm going to be going will be on my website on my news and events section under the calendar. You'll be able to check out some of the conventions, mostly centered around things like retro gaming or, you know, Comic-Cons, that kind of stuff. And so if you're if you're into that, You'll be able to see me in one of your local, you know, your uh, your local conventions. I'll be traveling as far east as Philadelphia, as north as uh, New York and Buffalo, and as west as the state of Indiana. And so, like I said before, I've got some coming up here in in Pittsburgh, Altoona, Erie, and in Akron. Those are the ones that are scheduled for the you know the March and April timeframe. But check out my schedule, and you can find me at any of those. And I'm also very available. So if you want to leave me a note on my website or sign up for a newsletter, there's a pop-up button you can hit and, uh, you know, sign up and I'll keep you apprised. I'll send, I'm beginning to send out a monthly newsletter on the first of every month that'll start in April. So folks can check me out there as well. Ladies and gentlemen, jvhilliard.com. Be sure to check out his website, check out his work. All you fantasy fans out there and a writer fan share this episode to as many people as possible so we can support JV and get his work out there. Also, Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app, JV Hilliard. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been my pleasure, Sean. Thank you for having me and thanks for everybody for listening. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.